Well, that was fun. <clears throat> we pick up today back in Mark. <clears throat> we have not seen Mark since early in the winter, but we're back now, and all summer long we'll have Mark, except when Jesus is the bread of life in the midst of John there for a while. So um, this is a fascinating tale today from the third chapter of Mark. And the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. And when Jesus' family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. And Jesus called, oh, and he called to, he called to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. If Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. And truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd like to begin this morning by talking with the older adults in the room. I'm not going to identify you. You know who you are. And I wonder if any of you have ever had conversations with your adult children where they say things to you like, for your own good, you ought to, dot, 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 fill in the blank. For your own good, Mom, you ought to get one of those lifeline buttons. For your own good, you ought to think about going to live at Elmhurst. Or the one that kills all of us. For your own good, shouldn't you really give up your car keys? After all, it's for your own good. I'm seeing grins. Some of you have had these conversations, I can tell. 
And I can tell you, as someone whose parent is an older adult who may have to have those conversations at some point, there is nothing malicious in the motivations of your kids when they say that to you. They mean well by you. And I know some of you are thinking, even though they don't do well, they mean well. But yes, they mean well by you. Just as Jesus' family, in all likelihood, meant well by him when they came to get him and take him back home. He had been out ministering and seeing the people and doing things that no one had ever done before. He was healing the sick and casting out demons and eating with sinners and prostitutes. And they thought he was nuts. What is wrong with our son and our brother? Now, some speculate that the reason the family went to get him was a noble gesture. They just wanted to preserve their family name. Honor is everything in Middle Eastern culture. And he was sort of an embarrassment, you know. People were calling him crazy. In one of the towns that I lived in, there was this beautiful older woman who began to get confused. And she used to walk everywhere. And so she still walked everywhere, but we would find her in places where she didn't used to walk. You know, she used to walk to the grocery store. Now she was walking to the auto parts station. She didn't have a car, so she didn't need to be at the auto parts station, but that's where she was going. And one day, she ended up in the store, and she couldn't tell people what her name was or why she'd come there or what she was doing. And her family, who had all grown up in that town, by that point had moved away, but they came and got her. I always, and took her with them to where they lived, out of our little town. I always wondered if the reason that they came to get her was purely for her protection. Because the way they talked about her was she was an embarrassment to our family. It had gotten around town that she didn't know who she was or where she was or what she was doing. And they didn't like it. So here we have Jesus, who people are thinking is nuts. The family comes, perhaps out of honor for their good name, perhaps because he's simply an embarrassment. But regardless of that, they're essentially throwing an intervention for him. For his own good, of course, you know how that works. People can't figure out whether or not he's crazy. 
Some say, yes, definitely, look at all he's doing. And others say, no, 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 wait. Wait. What he's doing, healing the sick and tending the lame and casting out demons, nobody's done that before. Maybe, maybe it's not just a demon. Jesus argues with perfect logic that Satan can't cast out Satan. A house divided among itself cannot stand. Y'all thought that was Abraham Lincoln, but let me assure you, he had a good writer. Thank you. (laughs) Jesus isn't really worried about the enemy here. Jesus isn't really worried about anything. It's his family that's worried. They think he's crazy. They think he has Satan in him. And he refutes it very simply. Satan can't cast out Satan. You know, a lot of the cool churches, and somebody corrected me the other day, when I referred to the cool churches, because they said, we're a cool church, aren't we? Okay, I don't know. We have air conditioning, so I guess in that regard, we're a cool church. But a lot of the cool churches worry a lot about the enemy. You hear sermons all the time from those folks. The enemy's coming to get you. You have a negative thought in your head. The enemy put that in your head. You're a little crazy. You have a demon. The enemy, the enemy, the enemy, the enemy did all this. I I just, personally, I can't go there. And maybe this is wrong for me to say to you. Maybe you should be praying against the enemy. That's what they'll tell you. But for me, I don't need to worry about that what the enemy is doing. I'm worried about what Jesus is doing. I I believe that Jesus is my protector. Jesus is my savior. Jesus is the one I love. Jesus is the focus of my life. And let me tell you this. I've read the book all the way to the end. And Jesus wins. So I'm not going to spend my time worrying about the enemy like some of my colleagues are. Jesus makes it clear in his parable. He's not possessed. He's not crazy. He hadn't gone out of his mind. Get this. He hadn't gone out of his mind. He was blowing the mind of the people that he was talking to. He wasn't out of his mind. He was beyond our minds. The Methodists have gotten a hold of me. Pray for me. And I'm in a book study with a bunch of Methodist pastors now. We're reading this book called Kingdom Come by Reggie McNeil. If you are interested in what I'm about to say, let me know because he's coming to West Virginia in August and we are all going to see him. And I am supposed to take two of you with me so that we can engage in kingdom work with our church, because Reggie McNeil's 
premise is that the church needs to stop worrying about fixing the church and needs to start worrying about being the kingdom of God. See, his premise is the church is so worried about preserving itself that we have forgotten that our very purpose is to carry out the kingdom of God in the world. To say to people, this is what God intends for life, and we're going to help that happen. It's an interesting premise. It's a fascinating premise, and it's exactly what Jesus was doing here. Jesus was enacting the kingdom of God. And people didn't know what to do. Because it was like nothing they had ever seen before. The leper touching, demon-tossing, scribe-deflating Jesus challenges every expectation about how God's Messiah is supposed to behave. And in the process, he was an embarrassment, even to those who claimed to love him. Friends, understand this. We can wrestle with Jesus. We can argue with Jesus. We can struggle to understand Jesus and even pretend not to know Jesus. But we need to move with Jesus in bringing about the kingdom of God. That kingdom is so much greater than anything we can ever imagine. It will blow our minds for our own good and for those we serve. Debbie knows this about me. If I had my way here in this church, or in any other church for that matter, we'd only ever sing three hymns. Lift High the Cross, Amazing Grace, and There's a Wideness in God's Mercy. Those are my favorites. We could do those every week for the next, I don't know, 150 years maybe? How long am I going to live? There's a Wideness in God's Mercy. Is a marvelous song. And I... Even I, as much as I loved it, had overlooked the third verse of that song, which says this. But we make God's love too narrow by false limits of our own. And we magnify his strictness with a zeal he will not own. Jesus wants us to embrace the kingdom of God. And it may not look like anything we have ever seen before. But it will bring us to life anew. Thanks be to God. Amen.